0: Miracles have a place in this work of revelation because they give us a glimpse of the restoration of all things in the kingdom of God. Every miracle that Jesus performed reveals something to us about what God is like and what it is like to live with God in a peaceful relationship. When Jesus was on earth, the miracles always accompanied his teaching. And so the particular message of each miracle can be determined by the context. Jesus didn't just do miracles to make his own life easier, sort of like you read in the, in the storybooks when there, there's references to magic or whatever they think they're working with, some sort of magic where they can use their powers to just serve themselves, like open up a peanut butter jar But Jesus' miracles served in God's purpose in revealing the truth. He came to serve and not to be served. His love was unselfish. His faith was genuine. Mark, as a writer, is known for being brief in his descriptions. Read through Mark, you see he's very quick and to the point. And yet, when he talks about the healing of the blind man in Bethsaida, he didn't just say, Jesus healed a blind man. Mark takes his time describing the details of this miracle because the way that Jesus healed the man and the words that accompanied his healing are part of the revelation for the church. We need to pay attention to the way that Mark emphasized The improvement of vision in stages by following Jesus' partial healing of the man's eyes with three different words in rapid succession, verse 25, that emphasize very clearly the man was seeing. The great thing is that the very thing that is being described is happening again right here this morning, even as we learn about this miracle Lord is opening our eyes more and more to who Jesus Christ is. And I preach to you the gospel under this theme. Our Lord Jesus grants clear vision in stages for those who are slow to see. We'll see, first of all, that Jesus has compassion on the blind. And secondly, do you see Jesus Christ clearly? Now, Mark describes Jesus' movements all around the Sea of Galilee as he traveled from one place to another, often traveling across the large lake in a boat. And when Jesus and his disciples came to Bethsaida, which is a fishing town on the northeast corner of the lake, we read in verse 22, And some people brought to him a blind man and begged him to touch him. And the people had very good reasons for their high expectation of the power of Jesus' touch. For Mark has already told us that as many people as touched even the fringe of his garment were made well. That's in Mark 6, verse 56. And yet this time when Jesus took the blind man, even took him by the hand, the man was not immediately healed. It's clear that Jesus had plans to use this opportunity To teach that his compassion to the physically blind is an example of his compassion to those who are spiritually blind. Jesus himself said that he came into the world so that those who do not see may see. Even as we read and study the miracle, we can see how the Holy Spirit continues to use this miracle to improve our vision, to help us to see Jesus Christ better. It's like he he is taking us by the hand and leading us away from the busyness of our lives to see his glory. Mark brings us right into the story with details that that allow us to see exactly what happened in very vivid color. Jesus took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the village so that he might minister to him in a more private surrounding. It's a beautiful picture of a compassionate and loving doctor who loves and cares for his fellow man. Jesus reveals that he is the great physician, the great doctor who stands beside the suffering and the weak, who cares about their well-being, who fulfills the promise of Isaiah 35 and has compassion on people who are blind. You see that picture? The eternal Son of God, whom we worship, the light of the world, reached out his hand and clasped the hand of the blind man in Bethsaida to walk beside him, to guide him to a new life of seeing. And then he spit in his eyes. Although, in other instances, Jesus showed that he was able to heal at a distance. You can look at Mark 7, verse 29. In this case, Jesus spit in the man's eyes and laid his hand on him. We're not told why Jesus spit in his eyes, but only that he did. And although we might conjecture based on other healings that used saliva, that there were necessary healing virtues in his saliva or we could propose that Jesus was intentionally obscuring the the eyes of the blind man so that to reveal that, that, that he had a hard heart, we can only conclude that Jesus proved by doing this that he had full liberty to heal in any way that he wanted. Well, the result of Jesus' spit and laying on of hands was that the blind man could see, but his vision was not yet clear. The passage before us is unique to the Gospel of Mark, and it draws our attention because it is the only miracle in which Jesus begins with a partial or an incomplete healing before completing the restoration in a second stage of healing. And Jesus even draws attention to the unique manner in which he healed this man By asking him, can you see anything? Well, in answer to Jesus' question, the partially healed blind man, he looked up and he said, I see people, but they look like trees walking. It's a memorable statement. The partially blind man, he couldn't distinguish people from trees, and yet the man knew they weren't trees because they were walking around. And if he couldn't see the people properly because they were blurry, perhaps it's comparable to what those uh, those, those among us that need corrective lenses see when you're not using your glasses. Or if the people literally looked no different than trees for him, perhaps it's because his brain needed to be healed as well in order that his eyes might work properly. But whatever our explanation of what happened might be, The gracious conclusion of the meeting is that Jesus did not leave the blind man in a state of distorted vision. Jesus had compassion on the blind man. The gospel message is not only that Jesus was able to help the man further, but also that he remained with this man patiently until he could see fully. Jesus again touches the man laying his hands directly on the man's eyes. When Jesus lays his hands on the man, he reminds us of the way that priests in the Old Testament laid their hands on the animals to be sacrificed so that they might transfer the sins of the people onto the sacrifice. However, the results of Jesus' work show that rather than transfer any sin to the blind man, the exact opposite thing happens. It's just like the Lord promised in Isaiah 53. Jesus took on the infirmities of the sinner in front of him. He was a sacrifice, but not simply a passive animal bearing up under his load, but he was a sacrifice, a self-sacrificing, Innocent Lord, who actively took the man's suffering and placed it upon himself. He willingly removed the man's blindness so that he might be able to see Jesus. Our Lord Jesus displays his compassion for the world by removing our blindness. And at this point, Mark is emphatic about the change this brought about for the man. You can see that in verse 25, look at how it's piled up. He opened his eyes, his sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. Jesus stayed with the man like a kind physician until he was able to see clearly. Mark says he could see clearly. The blind man could see our Lord who had shown his compassion to him who had remained with him until his vision was cleared. And the same compassion for the physically blind is shown by the Lord Jesus to those who are spiritually blind. This is the purpose of his mission, of his ministry on the earth, to fully reveal the entire counsel of God so that God's people can see it. The question is, as you hear and study this miraculous healing, do you see Jesus Christ clearly? Part of Jesus' suffering was that the people had eyes, but they could not see. For their hearts were hardened. They had set up walls, preventing the light of the gospel from shining in. And as we read through this chapter, we could see how the context repeatedly highlights this aspect of Jesus' suffering. In spite of the many miracles and the clear teaching of our Lord Jesus Christ, indeed, immediately after he had fed a crowd of 4,000 people with just seven loaves and a few small fish, Pharisees came, Mark 8, verse 12, and, and they argued with him, were a sign from heaven. And then Mark 8, verse 12, we read that Jesus sighed deeply in his spirit. For although they were seeing, they remained blind in their unbelief. They were seeing things, but they weren't seeing Jesus Christ, the Lord. Although Jesus had every reason to expect more of his disciples, Jesus Jesus highlights how the very disciples Who had collected the basketfuls of extra bread after thousands of people were fed, they misunderstood his warning about the leaven of the Pharisees and Herod to be a concern about the fact that they had no bread. Jesus compares his disciples to blind men. He asks them, Do you not perceive or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Having eyes, do you not see? Having ears, do you not hear? Do you not remember? Do you not yet understand? Indeed, they had been as blind spiritually as the man at Bethsaida had been blind physically. And just as Jesus had taken the blind man by the hand to lead him into his his ministry, into, into his glory, he patiently leads his disciples to the truth by asking them to think carefully about the significance of the miracles of the feeding of the thousands. Jesus has compassion on the blind. And Mark tells us this miracle because Jesus has compassion on us too when we fail to perceive who he is, when we have hardened hearts and we forget the glorious revelation that was given to us, that we have in Jesus Christ. And as we see the parallels, we can also begin to understand why Jesus decided to do a partial healing. Although our Lord Jesus was capable of completely healing, the blind man immediately He wanted his disciples to learn from this incident about their own spiritual development. He wanted them to show that at that moment, they were like the blind man who was seeing people as if they were trees walking. And so he asked the disciples a question that is very similar to the question he asked the blind man. Mark 8, verse 29. But who do you say That I am. Now Peter's answer seemed to show that he had gone from having eyes but not seeing, in verse 18, to understanding. And yet, in the very next instance, and we read that too, Peter rebuked Jesus Christ. It's Mark 8. Verse 31 to 32, he rebuked him about what he taught about his death and resurrection. So Peter, even Peter, was just seeing Jesus as if he was a tree and not a man. And although Peter knew that Jesus was the Christ, he didn't understand what this fully meant for our Lord. Satan had continued to obscure the image of our Lord Jesus and Peter was still more focused on the things of man rather than the things of God. And the good news for Peter and for the church is that Jesus is patient with those who are still moving from blindness to partial sight to seeing fully. And he continues to stand by Peter, he continues to stand by us as he leads us to see more things, Jesus wanted his church to see clearly so they might be ready to serve as faithful witnesses to the truth of the gospel, so they could be tools to allow others to see. Now, our text makes a very close connection between seeing clearly and being a public witness of Jesus Christ. Although the man had his physical vision restored, the Lord Jesus still sent him to his home saying, do not even enter the village. It's the same way that the Lord Jesus told the healed deaf mute to remain silent. Chapter seven, verse 36. Well, now he told this healed blind man to remain out of sight. Well, basically Jesus was letting the healed man know That he was not seeing clearly enough to be a witness to our Lord Jesus in the world. And although it may be hard for us to understand today, after we have been sent by Christ and the apostles to to go out and preach and teach and make disciples and baptize, this miracle took place before Jesus had finished all his work. Even his own disciples who recognized that he was the Christ were strictly charged to tell no one about him, because they would be unable to represent him until they knew about all his work, his death and his resurrection and his ascension into heaven. The disciples spent at least three years with Jesus before they were officially sent out on their own and then only with the guidance of the Holy Spirit. And later, Peter showed that he understood Jesus' teaching when he explained that only those who had been eyewitnesses of all of Jesus' redemptive acts... Could be called apostles. The apostle Paul, as well, he spent a lot of time training, learning the scriptures before he headed out as a witness of the resurrection. The miracles revealed to us in our text and, and, and the surrounding context are also great reasons for us today to have caution and humility. Jesus rebuked the Pharisees for being blind guides. And so he made it clear that the love and the work of the triune God should only be spoken about by those who can see clearly, who who experience the fullness of God's work in their lives in Jesus Christ. Jesus does not want to be misrepresented. The great travesty of people known to their friends as Christians Now choosing to live in impurity or wild living or disrespect for law enforcement agents is that their sinful lifestyles are teaching their unchurched friends wicked lies about what God accepts. The unchurched often don't see such so-called Christians living in sin as, as hypocrites, they may logically conclude that this is what our Lord Jesus is like. It's a distorted vision, like trees walking around, and your false witness can keep people from seeing the glorious truth of the transforming work of God, the lives of those who submit to Jesus as King. When we only know part of the truth, especially when it's taken out of context and used to make our final conclusions, then it's not hard to arrive at wrong conclusions about who Jesus is. We aren't born with an innate knowledge of Jesus Christ, but there is a process of learning that God works into the Christian life through the ministry of the church leaders in cooperation with the spiritual leaders of the homes. We praise the Lord for his patience with us as he leads us in this life to to see him more and more clearly as he is. The man who had been healed from blindness had to be aware that the fact that he was healed from blindness could potentially hold others in their blindness. If all that people knew about Jesus was that he was a miracle man and they didn't know that he was the Christ, and the promised Messiah, who had come as prophet, priest, and king, well, they would have a very wrong idea about who Jesus is. They would be seeing him without even seeing him. They would not understand. And the same applies today. If you misuse this message of of this morning, if you misuse it to only see Jesus Christ as the miracle worker, or you go home and you say, Jesus is my healer, Jesus is my personal deliverer, then you are not seeing the fullness of the gospel of the Son of God and your own selfish intentions, your own distortion due to this idea of magic as a a selfish thing, confuses trees with people. Jesus Christ is more than just a patch for your holes. He is more than just a friend you always need. He is more than the Savior who fills in whatever might be missing in your life. If the only reason that we are turning to Jesus is to get something out of him, then we are getting the wrong message from the miracle today. When you look at this miracle, do not think of Jesus' worth in terms of what he can do to you See the fullness of God. See the fullness of God's grace and how he blesses you. Not by giving you what you want all the time, but by changing what you want. By transforming your very heart so that you get what you need. And the gospel promise in this miracle is that God cares about those who are living in blindness, He cares about all of us as we're gaining understanding. We're the stage of a partial vision, desiring more. And we bring this same gospel message by showing the same love to our neighbors. Although it's not easy to see the truth of the gospel right away in our lives, the Lord will lead you in your life so that you can continue to grow in your knowledge and understanding. Sometimes it might look like years of prayers that do not seem to be answered in the way that we want. You see the Son of Man holding you by the hand, leading you to see the fullness of who he is. Sometimes it takes a hardship like blindness or cancer or depression or the death of a loved one. Sometimes it's just the experience of reading and studying the scriptures and living each day with that struggle against temptations, being confronted with your own weaknesses and defense mechanisms. You can see how God is opening our eyes through all these things. When we can't see the light as it shines directly before us, Whether we're hostile like the Pharisees or willing like the disciples, the Lord takes us by the hands and he he leads us to see more and more the amazing works of grace in our lives. The Lord does not always bring us from blindness to clear vision in one step like switching a light switch. But the gospel message is that he does accompany us like a physician, like a doctor, holding us by the hand, pointing out things to to bring it more clearly. Today he does this through the full revelation of the word, which contains the cloud of witnesses, that collection of prophecies that we may study very carefully. In addition, he allows us to learn through catechism instruction, Bible studies, many different experiences in life, so Christians must be eager to listen to the experiences and the lessons of one another, especially from the more experienced members in our congregation. Brothers and sisters, reminds us of James 1, verse 19. Be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. And in 2 Timothy 2, verse 7, the apostle says, Think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. And in Philippians 3, verse 15, he urges the church that the mature should think according to what he has taught. And then it says, And if in anything you think otherwise, God will also reveal that to you. How often have we discovered that our vision was obscured or that we were only seeing things partially? Well, thanks be to God for the promise of the Holy Spirit guiding us. And we think of 1 Corinthians 13. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child when I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part. Then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. Our Lord Jesus grants his people vision so that we may see him and know him and praise him rightly forever. Amen.